Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends, and welcome uh, to another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. This week's podcast is brought to you by our good friends at FOCO. If uh, you go to the description for this podcast and you click on that link, it'll take you to FOCO's website. Add whatever you want to the cart, and uh, upon checkout, it'll apply a discount for being a loyal listener to this year's podcast. FOCO's super great. They uh, have all the fandom. You know, bobbleheads, shirts, Hawaiian shirts, sandals, bags, everything. Anything you can think of, they got it. Excuse me. So, uh, I sound a little stuffy. Apologies. My allergies are, are getting me real good. But, they also have face masks. So, you know, if you want to be like me and have allergies, that's cool too. But if you don't and want to cover yourself up and protect yourself a little bit, get yourself a mask. Uh, again, FOCO.com. They're fantastic. We appreciate their consideration. As always, terms and conditions do apply. Please see their website for more details. This uh, this week's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Bleedlos. www.bleedlos.com They have uh, all the Dodger fandom that you can think of. If you want the uh, the Joe Kelly Fight, Fight Club shirt, I know I bring that one up a lot. They got it. Justin Turner, El Rojo Chingon. They got it. El Culichi. They got it. <coughs> Excuse me. So go uh, go to their website www.bleedlos.com Add whatever you want to your cart and upon checkout use uh, the promo code BLEEDLOSPOD and you'll save 10% for being a loyal listener to this podcast. Huge thanks to them for the consideration. Again, www.bleedlos.com And thank you for uh, for subscribing, listening, following us, all that jazz. Uh, you know, you could always find us on the Twitter at BLEEDLOSPOD and uh, and from there, you'll find our Twitter handles. If you want to follow us and shoot us DMs, all that fun stuff, we're, we're all into it. But we thank you profusely for following and uh, and subscribing and all that good jazz. And if you're not subscribed, right now would be the uh, the perfect time to hit the subscribe button and get that that uh, get that going. But in the meantime, here's another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. your boys Alonso y Juan with the baby face gimmick in the sky Roger real quick before we dive into something Juan I, I had a question for you yes sir you and I are of the the logic if you will the school of, of thought that if you're given a nickname you're given a nickname you don't get to pick your own nickname right absolutely you're right so what's your stance on the off-air request of Roger requesting that we call him baby face x as in you know baby face uh, i forgot the, the actual specific request that i have to pull it but what was your stance on that uh, that it was denied his, his nickname is baby face you know or the baby face in the sky he is not you're right he wanted some sort of like badass like yeah. nickname for us to put behind baby face and it's like it doesn't work that way you, you don't get to pick your nickname like do you think like baby face assassin no. Yeah, there you go. The babyface assassin. Yeah, that doesn't ba- work. Babyface host. 
Vetoed. 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 Like you don't get to pick your own nickname. You know, we can we can open up the uh, we can open that up on Twitter and and see what uh, what our listeners think about that. But I, I'm going with an executive decision right now that that is that's denied you when you are given a nickname. It's because someone else gave it to you, not because you gave it to yourself. I'm glad that we're on the same page because I felt disrespected that he tried to push that on us. I didn't even take it seriously when he said that. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. We're still calling you babyface. Oh, no, he was serious. I knew he was serious. I mean, you, and, you've seen how animated he gets. It was dead, it was dead ass serious. And, and for those, for our listeners, the reason why he is called babyface is because he thinks, you know, we're all wrestling fans on the show. He thinks that he is the babyface of this show. Meanwhile, he's the biggest heel on this show. And so that's why we call him Babyface. It's an ironic nickname. And it's not even close how much of a heel he is. It's not even close. <laughs> exactly. That's fake news. That, uh, again, <laughs> further proving our point that you are the largest heel in the general vicinity. Bret Hart would be proud of this work. Yes, a, a nice, yeah, his heel turn is then in Montreal. Yeah, it's, it's, but you know what? I'm glad that we were able to clear that up and then we can just go on to more depressing things like the, what happened this weekend. I, I, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about having, you know, we, we normally do a rundown and all that jazz, but uh, we're not really going to do that this week because I feel like the San Diego stuff's probably going to take a good bulk of the episode. But, uh, and real quick, before we dive into it, apologies to everyone that this didn't drop on Monday. I had a family emergency. My bad. We'll, uh, we'll uh, uh, carry on. But uh, as, as we recorded this, the Dodgers are down two to nothing to the uh, Cincinnati Reds. Uh, and they have begun their series with the Reds there at the Ravine. But over the weekend, they had a, a four-game set with the, uh, with the Padres, and it wasn't pretty. Uh, granted, they're in the middle of a, of a bit of a slump, and the injury bug has bit them a little bit. And the Padres obviously are good at what they do too. But how, how do you feel, you know, kind of after, you know, digesting it a little bit over the weekend or over the day, uh, how, do you, how do you feel today going into this new week of, uh, of baseball one? Well, I, I got to tell you, I feel much more, uh, I feel differently today as I did yes, last night after the game. Last night after the game, it was uh, the worst feeling in the world. And uh, I think maybe a lot of it was because Babyface was just bringing me down with his his ever-present optimism that he shows. But these are, I mean, last night was dark times. It was just really dark times. And then when I wake up this morning to the news that the Dodgers are no longer, no longer partners with Farmer John Hot Dogs, it just made it even worse. Like, what is happening here? I mean, Cats and dogs, you know, are falling from the sky. This is mass hysteria. What is going on? But with all that being said, and this is what was put into perspective after listening to or reading Babyface's rants after the game yesterday. It's April. It's April. Okay. There are 162 games in a season. Okay, we have to pace ourselves. And this goes on to a lot of Dodger fans. I don't want to just pick out, uh, you know, pick on Babyface here because there was, if you went on Twitter last night, I mean, it was every Dodger fan was having a meltdown. For I the record, it. I wasn't ranting. <laughs> Fake I mean, news, son. I was, I was making valid points. Every Dodger fan was having a meltdown last night. And this is my message to Dodger fans. Okay, we have to take it 
one game at a time. Dave Roberts likes to say this a lot. This is just baseball. You know, there's 162 games. Look, I, I'm telling you this because I used to be like babyface. And I was going to have a flashback last night. I was resorting to that guy who was going to have a meltdown, you know, in game 22 of the season that, oh my gosh. So Dodger fan, just take a step back and relax right now. I know a lot of you guys are pissed that we haven't clinched a division in April, but I got news for you. This is going to be a long season. You know, we have to pace ourselves. You can, the major blowups, the tirades, you can save those for September, or you can save it when the Dodgers are eliminated. You know, right now, we just have to pace ourselves. I'm going to give you guys some things that might help you feel better. As of today, the Dodgers are still in first place. The Dodgers have the same record that they, after through 22 games this year, they are 15 and seven. Through 22 games last year, they were 15 and seven. And last year ended up being pretty good for the Dodgers. So they still have the best record in baseball. Now, those are all the positives I have. I'm sure we're going to spend the rest of the show talking about the dark times that I think are ahead of the Dodgers right now. But again, I just can't stress enough. It's April. Listen, uh, my perspective uh, on this is now from the fan perspective, because uh, it, it, the fan perspective, I feel like can be aggressive and it, and, it, and it could also be a little jaded, if you will, because we have been super, super spoiled for the better part of a year and a half. The, the Dodgers have really not made or struggled, if you will, had very many slumps um, that, that affect the team like the way they are right now. It's April. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So I'm not worried about that. You know, these guys are also adjusting. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of people and not trying not to pick on you, Roger, but, you know, it's just because we were talking about it before, talking about the lack of depth. One thing that no one has really mentioned with the, you know, the depth being called up and struggling, there's no minor league games right now. There is no minor league games. They're on a, They're an offsite campus for, you know, being a part of the taxi squad, playing simulated games with some of those guys, right? Going from a simulated game to big league games, it's not, it can't even compare. It's not, it's nine day. So, I, you know, I, and I, I just want to jump in on that real quick, Alonzo, yeah. I'll let you finish, but yeah. you're absolutely right. That's a very valid point that you're bringing up because I think Bruce Darn Gratterall is rehabbing in the major leagues right now. Yeah. If there were minor league games right now, he'd be on assignment right now getting acclimated. So that's a very good point on your part. And you know, exactly. that's I, I was, I was going to say the, the same thing, like the two appearances that we've seen Bruce star, he hasn't been himself. And I thought about that today. I'm like, he should have been, you know, in Oklahoma city right now rehabbing, but yeah, no, no, no triple A season yet. So and, back to your point. And then you throw, you know, you throw into the mix that they're slumping and there's injuries, you know, then, you know, some of these guys, you know, they, they didn't get to do the, the same things that they're accustomed to doing every spring because of COVID. And that affects these guys. Right. And as we all know, baseball players are, are creatures of habit. So once you kind of throw a wrench in the, in the operation, it, it kind of, it kind of messes with that. Uh, so all in all though, I, it, I feel like it's a bit of a perfect storm, if you will, but you also have to tip your caps to the Padres. The Padres are a legitimate team. Like, full, you know, I, I kept saying in our group text, 
I want to see the Dodgers and the Padres play each other full strength. And the reason that I do is because obviously the, the depletion in the lineup and the injuries and in pitching are really only affecting one side of the ball right now. Now, are the Padres legit enough that you can say they're better than the Dodgers full strength? I don't think so, but they're right there. I mean, they're right there. But, you know, I said this before we came on. The Padres, in my opinion, are the best base running team in baseball right now. They're aggressive. They, they, they're playing smart baseball once they get a runner on. And once they get someone on, they get aggressive. And we saw that, right? They also like to have fun and they like to poke, you know, poke fun. And that's fine. You know, I know people are pissed about that sort of stuff. I'm not. At the end of the day, I, I'm kind of the Trevor Bauer uh, uh, idealist, if you will. Hey, you don't, you don't want the, the dude to show you up. Don't give up the home run. Like, I'm a believer in that. Um, but at the end of the day, the Padres just played the better series. They made, you know, the, the lesser of the mistakes, if you will. And they also don't really have to worry with as many injuries as the Dodgers do right now. But again, I'm not worried right now. This would only worry me if obviously it continues. But if this was September, I'd be worried going into the, to the uh, postseason. Because like as, as Juan has said many times, the Washington Nationals are the perfect example of what can happen if you know lightning strikes in a bottle. You make a run and you knock out the mighty Dodgers, you go on and, and you win the World Series. So I'm not worried. I'm not really stressing, you know, the, the, the Dave Roberts felt feels good about a squad. You know, the pitchers are doing what they need to do. Chris Taylor just missed a home run by like three feet. So that sucks. Uh, but you know, there I'm not overly worried, but, but who I know is worried. And I'm just kind of curious to hear his take on it is, is Roger. I'd like to hear your take on, on, on that four game setup with the, uh, with the Padres. I wouldn't say I'm worried. I'd, I'd say it was a missed opportunity. Like I was telling you guys, this was a chance for them to get a little bit into the Padres' head. Like I said, you know, they won last weekend series. Yeah, it was tough, you know, head-to-head. This would be if they would have took three out of four again. Padres would be like, okay, yeah, we're playing good baseball, but we can't kind of get over that, that, you know, get over the top. And, and I think that's if they would have done that and, you know, kind of, done that again they kind of would have put that into their head a little bit you know they're they're a confident bunch like i said they're a confident bunch now they've put them i mean super confident now you know that they can they can go with the dodgers yeah dodgers are short some players you know we'll see how it is when when you know bellinger's back you know if canaba would have been there um you know so we'll see how it goes you know head to head but like i said i think the padres gained so much confidence you know they they showed they wanted this series more than the Dodgers I, I believe um you could see it just in, in everything the Padres did the excitement just everything it was basically it was a playoff series for them you know they wanted to get they wanted to win the series big time and you know they did it and like I said I think it just gave them a lot of more confidence going forward um and we'll see you know what happens in the games that come up in June here's one uh takeaway for me that I know that the injury bug is a legitimate thing. When Clayton Kershaw came to pinch hit, that that's kind of when you know, like, oh, like, I mean, because obviously there's pitchers that can hit. Madison Bumgarner is one of those guys that comes to mind. Kershaw obviously can rake. But when you have a pitcher for the most part coming up to pinch hit, that that's 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 never good, you know, in most cases. Now I know the Dodgers were just trying to trying to throw a curveball, no pun intended, uh, to you know, to the Padres in that situation. But, you know, they, they've kind of – they essentially, with what they had available, they threw the, everything in the kitchen sink 
to uh to to the Padres. And the Padres just, you know, they they played the better series and you you know, you just got to tip your cap and move on. I, I am curious though, Juan, uh you 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 had expected if you will more from this Dodgers team and here we are now. Is there any anything in particular that 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 surprised you as far as kind of how this series went on the Dodgers side? What I'm surprised about is yeah, I agree with Roger's point in the sense that the Padres are up for playing the Dodgers. The Padres are so up for playing the Dodgers that they can't beat anybody else in the National League. Prior to coming into that series, the Padres were at 500. And I still have to remind people, by the way, all this talk about the Padres, the Padres, the Giants are in second place. And if the Dodgers don't pull through tonight, the Giants are going to be tied with the Dodgers. So the Giants are ahead of the Padres. The Giants have beaten the Padres two out of three in the only times they've played. But for some reason, the Padres, even though they're struggling against the rest of the league, just get up for playing the Dodgers. What surprises me about these two teams, and we talked about this on our last show, that series in San Diego, the Padres could have very easily won two out of three. But they didn't. The Dodgers did. This series up here in L.A., the Padres ended up winning three out of four. I think the Dodgers could have very easily won three out of four. If uh, you have to tip your hat to the Padres, they made the defensive plays. Roger said this off air, and that is that, you know, in, in this series in L.A., the Padres made the plays. The Padres got the timely hits. Down in San Diego, that was the Dodgers. That game on Thursday, Cronenworth made two huge plays. Of course, the big one was that double play. That ball gets through. The Dodgers go up in front 4-3 and win that game, in my opinion, I think, because the bullpen will close it out. The Dodgers were in every game this weekend, so it's not like they got blown out by the Padres. The only game they weren't in was the Friday game, and that was towards the end. The Padres just blew it open. But other than that, you could make arguments that they could have won Friday, I mean, Thursday's game, and they should have won Sunday's game. So they would have won three out of four. And then at that point, the Padres would have been about, I think, seven games out. And I mean, the whole perspective would have been different. Again, this is speaking to Roger's point. I don't know if it changes, though, the Padres' outlook. Even if the Dodgers ended up winning three out of four and they won two out of three the first time, I still think the Padres feel confident about how they, you know, match up with the Dodgers. I think the Padres, that's just who they are, which is something I want to bring up with you guys in the sense that, you know, that broadcast, and I'm sure we can talk about it later, hearing Vaskirjan and A-Rod just really seemed painful. And Vaskirjan, I like Vaskirjan, but you can't forget that Vaskirjan used to work for the Padres. He used to be the play-by-play guy for the Padres. So I'm sure he has a little bit of a rooting interest to see those guys succeed. But the one thing I want to talk about is how, you know, the Padres have, you know, this attitude, they have this swag that everybody seems to mention about that. I have no problem with that. I don't have no, I have no problem with that. These doing the eye thing and showing up Bauer and doing the strat. I have no problem with that. My question, I know this is a little bit of a non sequitur, but how is it different what Tatis and Machado does than what Puig did? Puig was crucified 
for showing personality here. And he was even crucified by his own team, his own organization. The Dodgers always used to give him grief because he showed some personality with the tongue thing and, and whatever. But that these and the Padres do all that stuff. And the national media guys love it. This is great. This is great. Have things have have things changed that much between when Puig was doing it? Or is it just me being a little sensitive to the fact that Puig couldn't defend himself because Puig could not speak the language? That these can defend himself because he speaks English. Puig couldn't. I, I just found that really interesting that all of a sudden we love all this stuff, but when Puig was doing it, he was ruining baseball. I, I think it's a little bit of column A and column B. I've always been the type of guy, though, in general, you know, from from my time, you know, when I played to when I was in the game, all that stuff, even now. If if someone hits a homer off of you, you know, watch it. Watch it. Because, I mean, you've talked about this one. Hitting a fastball is is probably the hardest thing to do in sports. So, hey, take a peek. Enjoy it. Uh, I, I think – I think the, the dichotomy, uh, well, not dichotomy, I'd say the difference between then and now is, so that team that Yassiel was on was an, a, a bit of an older team. There's a lot of veterans. Adrian Gonzalez, Skip Schumacher, uh, Schumacher Nick Punto, Zach Greinke, uh, Clayton Kershaw, you know, guys that, that, that uh, you know, obviously we've had a conversation with Adrian. You know, they're pretty no-nonsense guys. Chase Utley, you know, pretty no-nonsense guys that, that, you know, because everyone talks about this, everyone has their major leaguer. You know, everyone has their major leaguer that they, they come up with. Even, even if you just work in the game, everyone has their major leaguer. My major leaguer was Alfredo Amezaga. That, that's who I learned my stuff from. And then along the way, those other guys, Jeff Mathis, uh, you know, and then I was lucky enough to be around other guys. But, um, you know, but, but they, they show you the way and, and show you how to, how to do the right things, right? So, you know, and, and I think Yassiel was just thrust into to a – and honestly, I feel like we could do an entire series on Yassiel Puig because he's such a, a, a polarizing, you know, figure on and off the field. But, uh, you know, but in his case, you know, he, he was thrust into that that culture of, of roughnecks, right? Now, this this current nucleus, this current iteration of, of all these teams, the Padres, the Dodgers in this particular example, it's a, they're pretty young teams. You know, they're pretty – relatively young teams. I mean, Tatis is what, 24, 23, something like that. Uh, you know, Machado at, at, you know, Machado and Hosmer are the, are the vets, if you will, you know, out of that infield. So, you know, the, the cultural change is just, it's just, it's there. I mean, even Trevor Bauer, you know, he, he may be 30, but he's still kind of a young 30, you know, and he understands, you know, what, what the kids seek out, you know, like now it's not even like teams anymore. Kids are like, Oh, my favorite player is so-and-so they follow that player and it doesn't matter who they play for. Uh, so, I mean, it's just that much of a cultural change from, you know, when Yassiel came, I mean, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it was what six years ago when he, when he came up, you know, I mean, a lot, I mean, that's a generation, you know, in, in the game. So, so, I mean, I, I agree with you that, that he was crucified and, and, and shouldn't have been, but that's just kind of what the state of the game was at the time. And that this is 22, 22. Sorry. Sorry, Fernando. My bad. Babyface, jump in on this. What, what do you think? Because I, I know there's certain Padre player, players that rub you the wrong way. Yeah, all of them. Rob Manfred. <laughs> Wait, I, I lost you there. What, what about <laughs> Rob Manfred? 
that's that's your answer that's that's the reason i mean tatis is like this he's come across as this like you know once in a life you know generation player and i don't puig wasn't viewed that way i mean he was he was you know he puig just came in and i mean i don't know it's odd because i remember there's guys you can probably find guys on the padres team that were upset with the antics that puig would do right you know there's got to be somebody on there yeah, Osmer yeah. Or, or Machado, and now you know they're loving it. You know, they're loving it when when you know Tatis is doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's. I mean I don't know. I mean it's it is it is odd to to see that you know that. But no know, one in the media ever defended Puig. No. Like now, when Tatis and other players show emotion, you have the media going, "This is great for baseball." So th- that's what I'm saying. It's like what no, and that's changed? unfair. It's 100 percent unfair. But the difference is though is if we're being honest, Fernando's looked at as the, the face of the game right now, and they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna protect their golden goose too. I mean, we have to remember that's that's what MLB does. And I mean, and, if, and if, I don't know. Well, go ahead. I don't, I don't know if it, if it's because over the last couple two to three years, we've been hearing all this like let the kids play, blah blah blah. So. Maybe that's kind of changed the perspective on some of these media guys too, and they're kind of like, you know, it'd be interesting if Puig was still in MLB and, and doing the exact same thing, like right now, and and kind of see what if there'd be a difference. Well, I mean, for honest, because, though, look, can I, I can go, I just go, uh, go ahead on it? Yeah. One thing with Yasiel is there was always something there with him as far as why some people didn't necessarily want to touch him with a ten foot pole, right? There was always something there. With Fernando, with uh, you know, with with uh, any of those, any of these younger guys, we don't really have that, right? So that's where where the polarization of Yasiel comes into play because he has, he, he, I feel like he's a unique case in this instance because also the time that in the, you know the era, if you will, that he played in, but also there's other things that you know that that are there that are alleged, of course, but nonetheless, you know that that as to why the Dodgers moved on from him too is a part of the thing, right? So so we can't dismiss that because as far as we know at least with fernando you know at least with you know bryce harper you know these guys that 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 tend to do that trevor bauer of course has his own baggage but i mean these guys that that we're talking about in this instance they they don't there's not really that aura around them either well i i and i get what you're saying but i'm just talking about strictly the on the field stuff with the the celebrations, the him showing emotion and that stuff, because I get it that, you know, Puig had off field uh, situations, especially as his career, his career progressed, he had some off the field problems. I get that. My thing is just at at the beginning of, of his career, when he was actually showing, you know, emotion and all that stuff, it was a, it was frowned upon and he needed to act. And this is a guy who came to baseball late. All these other guys that we've taught that we're talking about now, Tatis and all these guys, these guys grew up in the game. I mean, Tatis is his dad played in the game. So these are people that grew up in major league baseball. So I just find it really interesting that you look on, on the Twitters and Jeff Passan, Alden Gonzalez, you see all these guys go, this is so great. This Dodger Padres series is so great. And all it's, uh, you know, hyping up all the off the field stuff that these players are showing emotion. And it's just fascinating to me that 
that it changed and it just made me think of like wow well you know Puig was doing a lot of this stuff and when Puig did it it was just like he needed to act like he was at he's been there you know before meanwhile we completely ignore his backstory of how he even got to the league in, in the first place for those who don't know so I, I I just I wanted to just bring that up because I did I just found it very interesting I honestly think it's you know just a generational thing. If I'm if I'm frank, I I think it is because I mean the you know a lot of those names that I just threw out there aren't even in the game as far as players anymore. You know Adrian Gonzalez. I mean he's 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 you know on his he self admitted swan song right trying to get to the Olympic team. Chase Elliott doesn't play. Nick Punto, as far as I know, doesn't play. Skip Schum, uh, Schumacher doesn't play. Zach Greinke is still playing. You know, but he's in the tail end of his career, right? So it's. It's one of those things where I think it's just that generational gap because of, I mean, now, you know, I've heard Randy Johnson even say, you know, how, how everyone's throwing a hundred, whereas before it wasn't like that. It's just that, that as time goes on, things change. And I think this is one of those things that has changed. And I think for the better, you know, because one thing that baseball tends to do, not just Rob Manfred, but just baseball as, as a sport is and even players, we get in our own way. We, we don't, let the game evolve and grow in positive ways, whereas someone might perceive it as a negative way because it's the whole act like you've been there before bit, right? Jose Bautista, Rugnet Odor. That, that's that's precisely where why that conflict happened because it's the whole, hey, you showed me up. Hey, you need to act like you've been there before. Hey, whatever. And the rest is history, right? So, you know, I, I, I mean, do I expect tussles and stuff like that to continue to happen? Absolutely. You know, because you still have your veterans, your David Prices of the world. You know, you're, you know, even though Mookie hasn't been in the league as long as him, but Mookie, you know, th- those guys that do the things the right way, the AJ Pollocks of the world, those guys, right? So I just think as, as, as time goes on, the, the, the stuffiness, if you will, uh, of that sort of stuff, I think is going to go away. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. It's just, I, I just, uh, unfortunately for Yassiel, I just think he was kind of a, a uh, uh, collateral damage, if you will, for from that you know transition from that era to where we are now. You, you know, real quick, like thinking about it, I think it also kind of has to do with who the other person involved was. With Puig, a lot of the times, the other person on the other end was who? Bumgarner. Bumgarner, right? So Bumgarner is the old school guy. You know, Puig's the new new school guy. So like, so I think that kind of drove the narrative as well. Like you know. Oh, you know, he's disrespecting, you know, disrespecting the game. He's disrespecting Bump Garner. So that kind of drove, I think, the narrative a bit as well. Even last year with when Tatis, he hit that that 3-0 cookie that he got for was it a grand slam or something like that, right? There were still people like, what? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe he's doing that. So it kind of, it, there was a narrative there too. Like, it, it, you know, that was against, was against Texas, right? So, like, I think it kind of depends who it, who would, who's, who's the other person on the other side. The stuff that happened with Bauer, Bauer was totally cool with it. So everybody's like, "Oh, that's so cool!" You know, it, you know he can do that. And, you know, we're we're changing the game. So I think that all kind of played into, you know, what's going on. And if you watch any college baseball now, dude, those kids are, are flipping bats like it's no one's business. And I don't think it's bad. Like I said, if you can hit, if I'm throwing 95, 96, 97, 98, 100, and you can hit a bomb off of me, hey, throw your bat. If you want to throw that in the stands, throw your damn bat in the stands. I don't care because you still you hit a, a 95 mile an hour fastball that's coming at you from 60 feet and six inches away. So 
if anyone needs to make the adjustment, it's me, not the hitter, right? Because the dude did what he needed to do. He did his job. So I've never been, you know, one of those. Is there instances where there's been disrespect? Yeah, for sure. You know, like I'm not a fan of dudes spiking dudes. Never have been, never will be. Uh, You know, when they used to, before they changed the rule about uh, collisions at the plate, I felt like some guys went out of their way to hurt the catcher. And that was garbage. So, I mean, obviously you have to defend your catcher. You have to defend your guys, right? So, you know, I still think some of that's always going to be in the fray. But as far as like showing up, even when umpires cry about that, I think it's garbage because it's like, yo, no one came to watch you. So it's one of those things where where it kind of to Roger's point, it's a case by case basis because there's always going to be that hard ass or as as Juan says, that red ass. Um, But I I think as time goes on, it's just going to be more accepted in the game, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. But let me ask you guys this. And, and, you know, Alonzo, you, you, you hinted at this, you know, because of, you know, how the Padres were running, stealing bases all over, you know, in boxing, there's a term that, you know, styles make fights. This, these two teams, the reason why they match up so well, is it because they have different styles? It seems after watching these two series that the Padres play in, in a very, very loose way. And the Dodgers are just like stuck in their ways. This is how they do it. This is how they've always done it. And they're going to continue doing this because they know this formula works. We're going to do this. We're going to do this, which I find very interesting because I thought they strayed away from the formula in the playoffs last year and they ended up winning. But do you think that, you know, maybe the Dodgers need to, to adapt in order to, to, to match that energy from the Padres? Uh, so, so baseball is, is a constant game of adjustments, right? You could have all the data in the world, but at the end of the day, if you're not executing, it doesn't matter. Um, I, so kind of as an example, the whole experimenting with moving the mound back a foot, like you're, you, okay, so you're going to make it easier for one, like for 50% of the equation, and not let these guys make adjustments. That's stupid. I'm not a fan of that. Um, so I think, you know, the Dodgers, obviously, you know, they're, they're heavily emphasized on, on analytics and, and so is everyone else. Right. But, but they, you know, they, they, they focus, they hyper-focus, if you will, on matchups. And I think that's kind of one of the, the things that, that makes them a little vulnerable is that they hyper-focus on, on matchups as far as like, you know, situational hitting, even situational pitching, especially now with the three batter minimum. The Padres just they there is no caution to the wind. They 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 want to go out there and and just let they know what their offense can do and they know what their pitching can do and the rest they they'll just kind of you know navigate that as it comes along. I the, the, I guess the best way to explain it is the Dodgers are probably Floyd Mayweather and the Padres are probably a young Canelo Alvarez and they're you know the you know the the old timey veteran is out there and knows what he needs to do. And it may look like he's running, but at the same time, he's not because he has to take, they, you know, that, that fighter knows the calculated risks he's going to take. Whereas Canelo, who's the young brash fighter is not, is just going out there for the knockout there. He's trying to knock out, you know, David and trying to do the thing and, and shock the world. I don't think that's bad. If anything, I think that's what makes baseball, in my opinion, the best sport to watch because you can go in there with the mindset of, hey, these Dodgers are going to go in there and sweep four games because they're better than this team. And psych, <laughs> they go in there and then they drop the games the way they do, right? 
So I, I mean, I, I, if anything, I think it, it adds to the narrative of give me 162 games for the Dodgers versus Padres directly into my veins. Uh, because I don't think if they played 162 games, you know, consecutively, I don't think all 162 of them would have the exact same outcome, let alone the same expectation as far as like what happened the night before that game, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Um, But I mean, there's so many factors that we talked into what happened with the Dodgers. One of the things that I feel we haven't touched in uh, on is the fact that this team is slumping and, and it's not the starting pitching. The starting pitching is carrying this team. I'd be afraid to see where this team would be at if we weren't getting the starting pitching that the Dodgers have been getting. But the fact, and this is not just this week, okay? The Dodgers had a bad week. The Dodgers went two and four this week. This is the first time this season that they've had a losing record. They lost their, their first series of the season. But it's been a couple of weeks now that the offense has been, sl- has been slumping. You know, a lot of these guys now are having these streaks where they're one for 22 or five for 30 or something like that. How do you? I mean, you used to play the game, Lazo. How is it? I, I was telling this to Babyface. It always amazes me in baseball that when a slump happened, like everybody on the team goes into a collective slump at the same time. These guys are struggling. How are these guys going to get out of it? Well, so, I mean, obviously they have to make adjustments. You know, they're seeing the ball well, uh, you know, and credit to Will Smith and Edwin Rios. They're both seeing the ball really well. They're just not executing, and that's that's a part of the slump, right? So they have to go out and, and you know make those adjustments, and you know whether it's something as as simple as hey, you know I need to I need to shorten my swing a little bit, or maybe you know move my foot back x amount of inches. You know we've seen that quite a bit with Clay, uh, Cody Bellinger. Cody Cody's made those adjustments. You know out, out of kind of everyone that that's on that team. I would say he's kind of the one that's that's had the more you know more slumps than than most, if you will. I could be wrong, but that's just at least from what I can recall off the top of my head. And you know he he's made minimal adjustments, but a part of it is because he he knows he's doing everything else right. He just needs to figure out and fine tune that adjustment. It, it's hard. It's super hard because you go out there in your mind like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna break this slump today. We're we're gonna change this up, you know, because yesterday, yesterday it was yesterday, today's a new day. And obviously, in some cases, it doesn't change. But uh, but you just gotta make those adjustments and trust your, you know, I say this a lot when it comes to pitching, you know, you, you gotta trust your stuff. And and same thing when you're a hitter, you know, what defensively, you just gotta trust your stuff. It's there. You're you're just, you know, we're all human and we run into those issues. And it's easier said than done, but you know, once you kind of work through it, then you're good. Cause I mean, right now the, the, the luxury of sending someone down that you can send down to work on those adjustments, like an Edwin Rios, you know, uh, it's just not there. And it wouldn't be beneficial for, for them to send Edwin Rios down to work on that stuff. Cause there's no games, you know, w- working on that stuff in a simulated game, it's not going to help you. Uh, let alone like, if you're, you know, like Julio Diaz right now, he's struggling. He, he's at 85 pitches, the top of the fifth. It's a 2-0 count with two on and two out. He, he can't find the strike zone right now. He's shook. So it's one of those things where you, you have to remember and rely on your stuff, make those adjustments, and go do the thing. And you just gave up a hit. So, you know, and, and he threw a strike. It just happened to be in, in that spot where the dude is sitting on a fastball. And that's just, that's and you know, 
that's just kind of the luck of the draw too. So it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's going to take a little bit of time and you just have to remember to trust your stuff. Because again, you've said this a bunch as we started the show, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And if you keep hyper-focusing on like what's happening right this second, then you're never going to ever get over that slump. Because again, we, you know, we've heard a bunch of people say this game is 90% mental, 10% physical. And if you hyper-focus on the, you know, what's up here, it's not going to matter if you trust your stuff or not, you're just caught. And it might, and I think Luke Rayleigh got hurt. Outstanding. <laughs> so it's, it's a great time right now to, uh, to, uh, to talk about injuries as well, because one thing that, that we haven't talked about either is the amount of injuries that the Dodgers have. And I'm kind of curious to hear from, from you, Juan, out of all those injuries that the Dodgers currently have, is there one that worries you more than another? Honestly, I, all of them worry me because they're the kind of injuries I feel like they're having. Like you mentioned this off the air first, and it says you don't think that Mookie's healthy. And this is, you know, you guys were making fun of me at the beginning of the year when I said, you know, I was worried about Mookie's injury because it was a back. And I thought that it might affect him throughout the season. So Mookie was a back. Chris Taylor was a back, was out for a couple of days, and now he's back in. McKinstry's an oblique. He's going to be out. It just seems, it's so funny when we had Adrian on and he was just talking about how the Dodgers would be able to, to manage, could survive four injuries. Well, we're past the point of four injuries. And we, we were talking so much, you know, oh, that this team has so much depth and this team is just an embarrassment of riches. Well, it turns out that really the depth that they had is in the starting pitching because when it comes to the position players, right now, that depth is not looking too good. And, and you bring up a very good point, and it is something that I have lost sight of. The fact that there are no minor league games and you have these guys that are getting called up and there are actual game situations – I think that's probably why they're not succeeding because DJ Peters looks completely overmatched. Uh, Rayleigh has not been producing. I, I mean, if these guys aren't getting regular game time, I mean, how can you expect them to all of a sudden, you know, swim when you're throwing them in the deep end of the pool? Uh, it, like I said, there isn't one specific injury that's hurting me that scares me or makes me nervous it's the fact that there's just so many of them right now because it just is like we might just be snake bit you know this is just one of those things i'm glad the injuries are happening now in april and that we have enough time i mean babyface you might know but i feel like there was a couple of years that the dodgers started off really really slow and they were, I think there was one year, they were almost like nine games back or something. And then come June, they just went on this huge tear and then they came back and they won the division. So I think the fact that the Dodgers right now are struggling, I would be very happy that this is when they struggle. And then towards the end of the year, they get really, really hot going into the playoffs. But it's just right now, I think these are really, really dark times. Because on top of the injuries that we're having and the call-ups that we're bringing up aren't performing and everybody just seems to be in a slump, we haven't even talked about the bullpen. 
and what's happening with the bullpen now and the way they're managing the bullpen. This whole thing about the rest, this whole thing about not using guys in consecutive days. And I know, Alonzo, you mentioned this on, on, on a, I don't know which episode recently, but you had said that you thought that was going to come back to bite the Dodgers in the ass. And I think maybe that's what's happening right now. Well, I think I, I've never been a big fan of, of, of doing what they're doing because it's going to throw pitchers off of their, their game. Now, granted, the Dodgers are also in, a, in an interesting spot because it's hard to say if Kenley can be an everyday closer again, you know, stuff like that, right? And those are very, excuse me, very valid questions by the Dodgers to ask. So I, I was worried about that, but the other reason that I was worried about it is because, you know, these guys, for the most part, kind of know what their expected workload is, and it, it kind of allows them to prevent injury. I, I, I'm not, I'm speculating here, right? But I hope that's not what the issue was with Corey Kinnam. I hope that, you know, with the way that they were using him is not what led to that injury because he's out for a while. Um, you know, I, I, if there's one injury kind of to, to pick it back off the question I asked you that I'm worried about, I'm worried about Corey Knievel. Uh, because if you don't have that sort of a setup guy, regardless if he's a closer or even a setup guy, but regardless of high leverage guys, the Dodgers refer to him, that, that's worrisome, right? Because we don't know what we're going to get out of Joe Kelly. You know, we, we don't really know what we're going to, you know, obviously Bruce Star is real time rehabbing, which is fine. Um, you know, Victor Gonzalez has struggled a little bit. So it's, it's one of those things where that injury for me at least worries me because if, if you don't have those anchors in your bullpen, that's where it comes back and bites you in the ass. And that's, that's kind of what I've been worried about that it would kind of catch up to them eventually. And I think it might have, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it might have, um, you know, but I mean, uh, the other issue too is now David Price is hurt. So you have that super reliever. You know, my man is hurt. He's got a, I think a grade two strain, I think is what I saw in the hamstring. Yeah. And, uh, and that's an, you know, that's as someone that's torn his hamstring, that's an aggressive injury, especially once you're on the wrong side of 30. Um, so it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see in part two with Corey, because if, let's say Corey comes back, we'll say, you know, I don't know, they said a few months. So we'll, We'll link that up to August, we'll say. That's also a dude that's that's coming back from Tommy John surgery. So, you know, he, he's going to have a little bit of time where he's going to need to adjust back to what's going on. And and it's that that's one of those things why I've been worried about the way they were using the bullpen could potentially catch up to him. Um, the other interesting thing, too, as far as I don't think it's injuries, I just think it's more kind of what they were doing with the bullpen. JT, for instance, is not in the lineup today. Uh, you know, against the Reds. So, you know, they have to manage that sort of stuff as well. You know, the, the, the NBA term load management, you know, with some of these guys, but I mean, the book, I, I am worried about the bullpen now, if I'm honest, I, you know, I haven't said that to you guys yet, but I am a little worried about the bullpen now. Well, it, it goes back to what you were saying in terms of the injuries, but I mean, this is what a long season does, right? I mean, April and May are usually the times of the year or those months are what you use as a baseball team to identify what your weaknesses are, okay? And also, I think you probably use that time to see if in-house you have, you know, pieces that can address those weaknesses. I think it's going to be hard because of the fact that they have so many injuries. I, I don't know if come June, they're going to know whether they truly have in-house solutions to this 
or if they're going to have, for me, like I thought for sure they were going to have to make a move for a bench player, that that's what would come the the trade deadline, what they're going to be looking for is a bench player. But now with the bullpen, with the injuries that the bullpen's dealing with, now you mean they might have to be shopping for a bench player. They might also have to be shopping for a reliever. And, and that's the thing. It's just with all these injuries right now, it just makes things really, really complicated. But if they can just stay close, if they can weather this storm, I mean, I, I can't stress this enough. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was right. Relax. You know, we don't, we don't hit the panic button right now. But it does seem right now that the Dodgers are, are taking in a lot of water on a sinking ship and don't have, you know, enough material to plug the holes. But right now, I think as an organization, Freeman, I'm for sure with all these injuries are probably looking at, we're going to probably have to go outside maybe to address these holes because we don't know what we're going to really have, what is consistent. Listen, uh, Freeman is constantly just making to-do lists. That's the kind of guy that he, that he is. He's, Hey, these are, these are, these are my shortlist guys, right? That he's going to go after. I'm not personally hitting the panic button hundred percent yet because we're only 22 games into the season, 23 with today. The only reason that I'm worried about the bullpen is an injury. Like, you know, to a guy like Corey Knable, who they expected to be a, 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 you know, a, a heavy lifter, if you will, of that bullpen going down potentially for a few months, that that's a tough blow. That's a, a tough, tough blow. And, and that's one of those where I think Friedman is going to look at, okay, if the, if the, if the likelihood of him being out until September is a thing, then let's go see what's in the market. And I mean, the, the other part of it is too, is they may need another arm assuming that, uh, you know, that the you know uh, assuming the bug stays the way that it is with injuries i'm hopeful that the injury bug doesn't linger all year because that would suck um but i mean i am curious to see how they do once you know cody bellinger comes back you know once you know you know obviously in my opinion there's something going on there with mookie i may be 100 percent wrong but i mean when i watch him swing he just winces and it just it doesn't seem great he's, he's playing through something i feel like but again i could be wrong but i mean i, I think the the, the piece that really needs to turn it on and, and just kind of hold it down, you know, while he's in it, you know, and I mean, it's going to, if he can do it, it's going to be one of those. It's like, damn, it's going to be hard to take him out of the lineup. It's Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor is, is, you know, right now he just hit a line drive single and he's, you know, when he, when they said that his back was hurt, I was really worried about that because that's the bench player, right? That's the, that's the super sub. Um, But you know, if they can keep him healthy, and then, you know, either try to get, you know, Zach McKinstry back, which obviously we don't know what his timeline is yet, you know, but, but, you know, to get a DJ Peters going, even maybe a Matt Davidson going something like that, like that, that would be, that would be the move. But I mean, again, with injuries, there's only so much you can do, you know, you can't predict those can't do any of that. I'm still expecting the Dodgers to be in the market for a reliever come July though, come the trade deadline. I'm fully expecting them to be in and on at least one reliever. I don't think they'll go after Max Scherzer. You know, there's a lot of a lot of rumbling that he's going to be moved. I wouldn't be surprised if he is. It just wouldn't make a lot of sense for him to be a Dodger. Um, so, so as far as like a relief arm, though, I mean, they're they're going to look for someone. And here's the thing about Friedman: he's going to trade for someone that none of us have ever heard about. 
And then that dude's going to be like Max Muncy and just just blow everyone out of the water. That's what's going to happen. I mean, look at Sheldon. Uh, Sheldon. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, is at just right now, I, I mean, it, it feels like Murphy's Law. It feels yeah. like everything that can go wrong has go, uh, gone wrong. So if the Dodgers can find a way to weather this storm, I mean, they have a ridiculous amount of, of injuries right now. They're also slumping at a historic rate. So I, I think as a Dodger fan, I guess it sucks watching this right now, but I think you also have to just take into consideration that, okay, it took injuries and it took a historic underperformance in order for us to come back down to the league. So we're nitpicking. Yeah, we, we are, but I mean, Here's the other thing too. I'm maybe, you know, this, I look, I know there's no logic to this. I know this is not true, but right. it just makes me feel better to say this. <laughs> this is the Bill Plaschke curse, right? Bill Plaschke writing that article saying that this is going to be the greatest team ever in the history of baseball. At the time that he wrote that, I, I think that was just something where it, it was, it was a hot take. It was to get attention for himself to get readers and, and stuff like that. But you don't make a statement like that at the beginning of the year. No. Yeah. You make that statement because you want to be the guy who says, well, I said it first, right? That's an article that you write when you, at the end of the year, when everything is said and done and you have a record and you can go back and say, you know what, this team was better than the 98 Yankees or, or stuff like that. Right. Do I think the Dodgers bought into that and, you know, believe their own headlines? No. We talked about, is this a World Series hangover? I don't think it's a World Series hangover because they were playing really well. It's just that the injuries happen. And then also, I don't think you can factor in uh, underperformance. That's not something you, you know, in baseball, it's it's the numbers, right? Yeah, you don't touch that. Exactly. This guy, this is what he gives us every year. So we're going to project on what he gives us every year. And you don't factor in that, hey, this is the year that he, it's that one year that he sucked, you know? So it's a slump right now that a lot of these guys are going through. So it is tough. But, you know, before we go, one thing I do want to get into is, is Dave Roberts. And that is, I know I'm very quick to, to blame Dave Roberts for some of the, the moves that he makes because I just feel the manager's job is to put his players in a position to win the game. Right. Some of the moves that he made, and I'm not putting it all on him as to why the Dodgers lost the series with the Padres, uh, but some of the moves that he made were head scratchers to me that just makes me feel like how many games a year does Dave Roberts actually cost the Dodgers with some of these moves that he makes? The defense has been poor this whole year. And I wonder if the defense is poor because so many people, so many guys are playing out of position, so to speak, because we've had to move around because of injuries and stuff like that. But when Dave Roberts pulled noisy in that game and pinched hit with him with Rios, I didn't understand that because Rios has been struggling. Noisy struggled at the beginning, but I feel like Noisy's starting to come around. So I would have loved to have seen him continue 
uh, to have plate appearances, to maybe build on that. But this is why I had mentioned to you before in the sense that I feel the Dodgers are so set in their ways. And this is how we do it. This is how we've always done it. We're going to come around. We, we have success with this formula. So we're going to stick to it. And when your team is slumping the way it is, I feel like you have to do something different, right? You have to, to try something to, to shake them out of it. I, I'm just curious, what do you think of the job that Dave Roberts has done so far? I think he's done a great job, all things considered. Um, you know, I mean, right now they're seven and three at home and eight and four away. That could be a lot worse. Um, also with the injuries, listen, man, <laughs> injuries, they're just one of those things, you know, to your point about, you know, how, how everyone looks at numbers based on productivity, right? It's everyone, you know, so-and-so's contract year, walkie or whatever, you know, typically that means they're going to have a, an upper of a year. And then after that, it's an outlier. All things considered, man, the Do uh, Dave Roberts, I feel like it's un, un, uh, unjustifiably crucified. I get the pressure that comes with the job, you know, because it's, you know, whether it's the Dodgers, whether it's the Yankees, you know, whether it's the Red Sox, you know, those are those are the 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 more traditional high pressure jobs. So it, it comes with the territory. And I think Dave, you know, manages it great. The thing about that formula, though, is, you know, we can sit here and pick that formula, but it also won them a World Series. So, you know, and it's also built these teams that we currently have. Uh, so it's, it's a proven method and it's, it's gotten the Dodgers eight consecutive uh, division titles and how many pennants, three pennants, four pennants and a World Series championship. So it's one of those where it's kind of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of deals, right? Do you need to make adjustments? Yeah, absolutely. You have to, because there's going to be different players in the system and all that jazz. And, and I, I think Dave, all things considered, manages that the best that he can because right now he's just you know he's he's been dealt kind of a bummer of a hand you can't control those injuries but he's you know he's doing a great job at, at least you know given the circumstances because at the end of the day let's say let's say Dave is is the catalyst as to why all this this stuff has happened right who are you going to replace him with who are you going to go out there and go pick up tomorrow that's going to be better than Dave Roberts and I, I don't think that there's anyone that's better than him right now. You know, there is other managers that are on the same level as him, but he, he's one of the best. And it's kind of hard to knock that because of how he manages stuff and is able to kind of get the best out of his players. And that's what you want out of a manager. You want that dude that's, you know, being put in. And the example that I, that I always go to with Dave, all those years that they had to deal with the platoon of the outfield, all, all the ego that's out there. I don't think any other manager, unless Phil Jackson was a baseball manager, could have managed that better than Dave did. And Dave is kind of our Zen master that the, the Lakers had in those 2000s teams when you know Kobe and Shaq were there. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it takes a, a very unique individual to be, uh, you know, kind of an elite manager. I, I think Dave has is, is, is earned that right and earned that title to be you know, called an elite manager, if not the best in the game, because of what he has to kind of deal with. Because it isn't just the clubhouse. It's what's coming from upstairs too. No, I, I agree with you. And to be clear, I'm not calling for Dave Roberts's head. No, no, but no. I, no, I no. just, I, I just do feel that sometimes, you know, I, everybody's quick to blame the players. They suck. They're not. Uh, I get it. The players are the ones that have to execute everything. But I think sometimes managers have bad games too. 
or, or they have rough patches, right? And it's just some of the decisions that he made. And I know, uh, Babyface, jump in on this. I know you were having a conniption because you saw Rios in the game again at t- tonight. And Rios is now under a, hitting, hitting under 100. So, I mean, part of it is because of the injuries, uh, and he probably doesn't have anybody else to throw out there, and also because Turner needs to get his rest. But I, I just, I, I just wonder, you know, can we get a little more creative to try to, you know, break out of this? Can I say one thing before Roger says his thing, real quick? Uh, the, in my opinion, the reason they're using Edwin is just because of his prior successes in pinch hitting, and that's one of those, the, the thing that that Juan was alluding to. It's the game getting in its own way. And cause it's, you know, they're looking at like that historical stuff. Uh, but I, I just wanted to say that real quick because I also think that Edwin should be sent down to work on his stuff, but there's no minor league games. So I'll leave it at that. So, so ahead, real, quick, real quick. Um, so getting back to Roberts and like the way things were being managed and with, with like, with reels, like going back to yesterday's game, um, what was it? So, the ninth, the tenth, they, they had a chance to win, right? And then even even in that last inning, I'm like, how do they not score a run to tie? You're the home team in this new, in this new game with the, the runner starting on second rule, whatever, right? So you, you think you should at least be able to push across a run, right? One run, you know, and then to, to at least tie the game. It's like my thing was like, how did that leadoff runner not even get to third base? It's like they didn't even get him to third base, like. You had guys like Rios coming up. They're shifting on Rios, giving them all, you know, all the third base side open. It's like you would think, okay, he could drop a bunt, right? But these guys don't know how to bunt. And this is another, you know, we can do, do, you do a whole show on this. Do you think it's that they don't know how to bunt? They don't know how to bunt. They don't want to bunt. No, they don't want to. They don't. They don't know how to. They don't practice it. They don't exactly. Do it. They don't practice it because they don't want to. They don't subscribe to it. And yeah. this is why it was so refreshing to watch the Padres this weekend beat us. They just straight out, out you know, and Robert said this, they straight out outplayed the Dodgers. And it's because I feel like the Padres were just throwing everything in the kitchen sink at the Dodgers. While meanwhile, the Dodgers were you're like, no, this is what we're going to do. This was the game plan going into the season, and this is what we're going to do. Go, go ahead, baby. Head. I mean, but for reals, I mean, if he's struggling and he's given, he's got that whole side open, he can't drop a bunt, yeah. you know, to get him going. You know, even when when Kershaw came in with the pitch, I thought, I thought that Kershaw was either going to walk, or he, I thought he was going to bunt. I don't know why they didn't try bunting and try the safety squeeze with him. Cause I think he would have got it done. And I think they would have scored and one in that game. Yeah, And right there was there. one out. It was it's a perfect like, situation for a squeeze. Yeah. So like right now. So right and now, then, Max Muncy just struck out um, with, with two on and two outs. Right. I feel like their at bats are forced and that's not how you're going to get out of a slump by forcing. It. And Max right there definitely was looking fastball and, and who and I forgot who was just pitching. They just pulled him, but uh, uh, um, homeboy just threw just just three strikes or four strikes in a row, and there were fastballs. So and and his whole thing is he just went in there. And it's like all right, this dude's just gonna swing, so he's gonna swing. And obviously, opposing sides are gonna catch that sort of stuff. Hey, these dudes are slumping, and they're just gonna swing at whatever you throw. So just you know, 
you don't necessarily even have to throw a nasty breaking ball of any kind. You know, you could throw a fastball even right down the middle. And if you're just in a slump, you're in a slump, you know what I mean? And that's just, that's unfortunately, that's just kind of a part of the game too, is those adjustments. But, you know, I, I do agree that in some of those instances, in those scenarios, they should have bunted. And if not even bunt, you know, make, make the pitch, the pitcher uh, work his count, right. You know, make, make those, those outs tough as they say, and the Dodgers haven't done that. So I don't necessarily think it's that they don't necessarily want to or anything like that. I just think they're in that slump, you know, that phase of the slump where they just don't, Oh, I suck. I'm going to get sent down. I suck. This is just not going to go well for me. And that's perfectly normal in the game too. You know, you see guys and, uh, and I think that's just kind of where they're at in the slump right now. I mean, it's a good point, and I know we're, we're going to be wrapping up right now, but one thing I just want to bring up before we end the show is you mentioned it right now, Alonzo, and that is I feel this team takes way too many pitches. I know that this is a pro- their approach, but I feel like sometimes they get a strike right down the middle, and that's a pitch. I mean, the only guy who probably you don't have to worry about that is Corey Seager because Corey Seager's always hacking in the first pitch or second pitch that's up there. But I feel like these guys take so many pitches and, and we, and I mean, all season long, all I've been seeing is the complaints about the strike zone and and stuff like that. You know, you want to make baseball a more enjoyable game. You want more people, more fans to watch the game and force the strike. zone. make these guys have to swing the bat. And maybe it's just because I was a huge Vladimir Guerrero fan and I subscribe to the Dominican theory in the sense that you don't walk off the island, you hit your way off the island. I mean, Vladimir Guerrero would swing at pitches at his shoelaces, right? And he never had an excuse. And the guy was a 300 hitter, right? So I I just wish that, especially because I watch too many Dodger games and that's my main focus, I just wish these guys would swing the bat more because I feel like they're just looking for a pitch just in this specific zone. And if it's not in that zone, I'm not going to hit it. And these pitchers are just too good. They're going to paint the corners on you. They're going to hit locations. I, I just, I wish these guys would just be more aggressive at the plate. I think, I think that's the one thing that's missing from, you know, from them right now, because that's one of the things they're slumping is, is they're being aggressive, you know, the, but I mean, I, I, I will say this, the way that the umpires enforce the lower half of the zone, it's been garbage. Like it's, it's been like not even been consistent. Like some of these pitches, like, listen, I know some of these umpires, Todd Titchener is an old friend and that dude has one of the more consistent uh, strike zones. His zone wasn't very good the other night. And and the same can be said for the rest of those guys in that crew. And that's not even a, a knock or disrespect. It, it just umpiring, I feel like, took a step back this year, not just against the Dodgers, but just in general. You know, there, there's plenty of other examples. And, and that's one of those things where baseball gets in its own way. You know, instead of enforcing the zone, like you said, Juan, stuff like that happens where they're trying to, to work the zone, if you will. And, uh, you know, but back to the original point. I feel like the Dodgers are, you know, that's one of the things that they're forcing at bats. You know, they want these pitches in a certain zone and obviously no one's going to throw it, uh, you know, over the outer half because that's where you want it. So it's, it's one of those things where that's going to be a part of them figuring out what's going on to get out of the slump. But until they do that, you know, I'm all for a patient at bat, but I do agree with you. I think they're taking a, a, a one too many pitches in some cases. 
Hey, babyface. Uh, well, you know, real quick, um, Alonzo, you're right in terms of the umpiring. It's probably the greatest rivalry in baseball right now. To quote Dan Clark, it's uh, Angel Hernandez versus the strike zone. I think that is one of the great rivalries of the, of the season. But uh, babyface, uh, what I wanted to ask you before we 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 end the show right now is, uh, are you okay? Um, yeah, I'm good. Just hope uh, we don't have another loss tonight. That might. Uh... <laughs> all I all I heard was pain. That's all I heard. You know, you know those memes. You know that you see on the Twitter machine of like, you know, the whatever sports team, and then it's like their star player, and then it just says pain. Yeah, that's all I saw right there. Dodgers beat tweet. Dodgers beat logo. Pain. That's all I saw. Uh, I mean, I I think the injuries are are you know catch up to them yeah I, I didn't back to what you were talking about the bullpen being hurt i think that's the biggest um the biggest thing right now you could you know you have canable down and don't forget you got price down those those two guys are big big factors in that bullpen you know canable when you and, and when you price you know being the the starter that sent him, they expected you know big big innings from him and now those two guys are down you know that's the big that's that's two big holes in the pen and like, you know, like you guys were saying, the uh, the depth isn't there right now. You know, you have guys like Rayleigh struggling and, you know, Noisy struggling and Peters, you know, he, I don't know what was going on with him, but, you know, he got sent back down again. So hopefully he, he I mean, we know he's, he's either a home run or strikeout. So, you know, hopefully he gets that worked out and, you know, we'll see him again. But yeah, just once we get over this injury bug, you know, I'm, hope, I'm hoping it, it won't be too long, but it's not looking good right now. Last okay. thing, how, how soon? How soon do we before we start sacrificing a chicken? Because uh, somebody drank Joe Boo's rum. Because <laughs> this is what's happened. I mean, there's no other explanation for for them to go into the slump that they're in and to have the number of injuries. It's because somebody. Who do you think in the Dodgers dugout drank Joe Boo's rum? Uh, if I were to take a wild guess, it would either be Walker Buehler or Justin Turner. Do you know who I think did it? Who did it? I think it was Babyface. Wow, that was some serious Babyface, allegations. Just admit it. Babyface, admit it. When you walked into the game tonight to tell uh, Julio, hey, man, I think you might pitch a no <laughs> You drank Joe Boo's rum, did he? <laughs> so so, so for, for context, for those of you that aren't in our group text, uh, though, there will be times where a pitcher, I'm not going to say anyone's name because I don't want them to be jinxed, but a pitcher will be pitching for the Dodgers and they'll be, you know, three you know through three and uh and a third and they won't have any hits and uh what's the first thing that roger says one it's pitching a no hitter <laughs> party foul man like part like like it's one like if i walked into a clubhouse right now and did that i would be banished for life straight up I'd get kicked. like you know those you know how we talked a little bit about a little go a little bit ago about uh hey if you run over my catcher i'm gonna throw you i would get thrown after that <laughs> So it's, uh, if I find the picture of Ron, of Babyface drinking Joe Boo's rum, I'm I'm totally posting that on the Twitter. Please, please do, because if you don't, I feel like you're doing a disservice to everyone. Uh, last question, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, just just give me a name, uh, both of you. I'll start with uh, with Juan. Who who do you who do the Dodgers need a big week from this week? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um. I think they need Seager. 
Seager needs to come back. I, I he is the number two hitter. When that, I mean, we saw it in the playoffs. That guy can carry a team, you know, on on his back. So Seager needs to recap. And I know they've they've been facing better pitching, and that's a reason. I mean, they got the Reds these three games, but they're going to be in Milwaukee this weekend, and Milwaukee's red hot. Babyface. I think Mookie, Mookie, Mookie lights the fire. I think once he once he gets going, he lights it. I think he'll trickle down to the rest of the lineup. I'm going with Chris Taylor. I think Chris Taylor needs to have a big week, not only because he's the super sub, but obviously he's in a current everyday player role, um, and he has the ability to you know once he gets stuff going, that it, it kind of lights the fire under everyone's ass. Uh, one stat, real quick, as obviously this is from. Uh, you know, the, the, the last three weeks, I guess, uh, going into the Brewer series, as we look ahead, they're four and six at home. So that should be a pretty interesting series as far as uh, the Dodgers going to town over there and, uh, and also because they've been red hot. So it's going to be interesting to see them. They're six and four in their last 10. So, uh, you know, Dodgers are five and five. So, you know, it, it could also be the, the whole, uh, you know, that they could have flipped, uh, uh, their series prior by, you know, a game or two as well. So that's going to be a fun series either way. So I, I look forward to that, but on that note, uh, this is a, this was a good one. We, we were able to vent a little bit and Roger Rogers never going to be allowed into a clubhouse after this episode. I, I know it. it's like, how, how don't touch Joe Boo's rum baby face. Don't touch anything. <laughs> Just don't, don't whatever. It's like I told you, whatever you're thinking, don't will it into existence because then, then we're here. And and then Juan can't stop laughing. And that's my favorite part about it. I don't know what you guys are talking about. If you, if I would, I, like I jokingly said before we started recording this, I should have recorded the first 10 minutes because the first 10 minutes, just Juan couldn't even say a word without laughing. Just the image, the image of Babyface on the dugout next to a pitcher saying, "Hey, man, I think you're going to pitch a no hitter tonight." And, and, and it's, all it's hilarious to me. And, and all I see in my head is the pitcher just giving the death stare <laughs> right away. Uh, I, oh, it's so good though. I think we got to go now. <laughs> on that note we'll uh we'll end this week's episode again huge thanks uh uh for listening subscribing rating if you have if you haven't please hit that subscribe button and you'll know when uh when this new episode drops but thank you again it's your boys alonso juan and the baby face gimmick in the sky who tried to pick his own nickname and was also shot down on that roger this is uh the bleed Los podcast the dodgers beat production we'll catch you next week For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.